it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who did not call off the Trump grand jury for a second consecutive day. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Sending in the punt team as rumors swirl that his office thinks the case is too weak. You gotta do better than that. We're going to discuss it with Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, who has launched a probe that is now investigating the investigators here in New York. And South Carolina Senator Tim Scott stops by to deny that he's about to run for president. Come on, don't bullshit me. That's exactly what he's going to do. But we love Tim Scott and we love you. So 888-788. 9910 if you want a piece of this show it is of course an audio safe space for cool people i don't even mean you're cool like the fonz hey i just mean you're cool you know you can disagree on issues without losing it mom you know that whole thing just you know coexist remember coexist which is funny because anybody with a coexist (laughs) sticker on the back of their car can't coexist with anyone who thinks differently than them that's true that is true but on this show be whatever you want republican democrat libertarian independent all we ever ask is that you don't be a that is all happy thursday everybody uh busy day of fail vision for your radio buddy i was on with Stuart varney this morning uh and uh if you missed it We'll post it at some point later this afternoon. I'm going to be on Kennedy later with the K-Train on the Fox Business Network. And then tonight, I am getting the band back together with Sean Hannity on the Sean Hannity Show. So congratulations to all of those shows in advance on what will undoubtedly be a huge ratings bump. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Whatever. I'm in a chippy mood. I just had coffee. I'm caffeinated. I'm a married man with a kid. I don't get out a lot. Give me a little cup of coffee and a radio microphone and forget, you know, forget (laughs) forget it. But long before we get to my appearance on Hannity tonight, uh, we take a trip back to last night's Hannity where Jim Jordan, a man who's going to be on our show one hour from now, was on with Sean Hannity and had the following to say about Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, a man he is now investigating. This is clip three. I think Alvin Bragg may be going back to what he initially thought when he first won the job, which was he shouldn't bring this case. So I think the the sort of the in the overall picture, Sean, the fundamental question is what changed? We know the Department of Justice wasn't going to bring the case. As you said, the previous district attorney, Mr. Vance, wasn't going to bring the case. When Alvin Bragg gets elected as district attorney, he's not going to bring the case. And then the only thing that changes between then and now is President Trump announces he's running for president. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I think he just told you what's going on here. And I've been saying this from word one. Alvin Bragg is engaged in a desperate act of political self-preservation. And what I mean by that is the district attorney of Manhattan has watched crime soar under his watch. Now, it's a lot easier for a George Soros-funded district attorney to fight political rivals than it is to actually fight criminals. Because a lot of these Soros policies champion the woke bail reforms that turn this city upside down. Everything woke turns to for real. 
So what he's doing, and I've been saying this all week, is he's appealing to the one note in this New York you know, town. It's a one-party town. These people live to hate Donald Trump. And what he's attempting to do here is fail upward. He knows there's no case. Knows that. Okay, we didn't even convene the grand jury yesterday or today, and they don't seat on Fridays, which means they're finished for the week because he's now backstage arguing with other prosecutors and saying there's a case here and we got to go through with it. And the point being is he just wants the indictment. Winning the case is not the goal. It's bringing the case and getting himself onto the national stage that Alvin Bragg is after. He knows what he's talking about. Because in the Democratic Party, you can fail upward. You don't have to be particularly good. You just have to be particularly relevant. Look at Pete Booty Judge. Okay, he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. His nickname was Pothole Pete because of just how bad the roads were in Indiana. But he ran for president, raised his profile, and lo and behold, got put in the transportation department by Joe Biden. Biden is such a disaster. I mean, the guy, literally, Pothole Pete is in charge of the roads in this country. Next, we'll have a secretary of education named Summer School Sal. I mean, that's what we're de- dealing with here. Same with Alvin Bragg. So crime has spiked in New York. But if he prosecutes Trump, he'll become a local folk hero. And in New York, obviously, there's always a national profile because it's such a big media market that Alvin Bragg could fall on his face in this prosecution. But he can still run around the rest of the country being like, I'm the guy who took on Trump. Yay. And try to fail his way upward. That's what they do. So this is not necessarily about bringing the case. It's about bringing the media attention that Alvin Bragg so desperately craves. And you know that's the case when a guy like Chuck Schumer, of all people, won't even give him an endorsement. Chuck Schumer is a clown. Here is Chuck Schumer on Capitol Hill yesterday saying he too early to comment on whether or not he's confident in Bragg. What do you mean? You've been telling us for four years Trump is a is a con man. He's a criminal. He's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Now you're not confident in the case. Hmm. Here it is. Clip one. Do you have confidence in Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA? Look, the bottom line is, as I said, um, it's premature to comment on what's happening, and um, we'll have to wait and see what he does. <laughs> you don't have a clue. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, the bottom line is premature to comment. Listen, if it's premature to comment, you know what he's basically telling you in a roundabout way is he's telling you, no, he doesn't have any faith in the guy. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Okay, if he had faith in the guy, he'd come out and say it. The fact that he's, well, this remains to be seen. All they're really trying to do, when it comes to Trump, the process is the punishment. It's like the Russia probe. They knew he didn't collude with Russia. Because they knew that the whole entire narrative was based on opposition research that came from the Clinton campaign. The Clintons were in trouble in the summer of 2016. Okay, her private email server had become a huge liability for her at the polls. She got out of bed and was like, this is not okay." So what did they do? They created they wrote and planted a story in the media that Trump was engaging in back-channel communications with a Russian bank. That's just how white folks will do you. And that's how they did him. And they started this narrative that Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin. The media ran with it. And by the time Trump became president and they decided to go forth with a Mueller probe, understand everybody that was a part of that Mueller probe knew where the Russian narrative originated. And so the process became the punishment. They knew they weren't going to find collusion 
They just wanted to hang it over his head as president and limit his ability to govern a best case, a worst case scenario, best case scenario, stage a soft coup in that they could get Trump to self-destruct in a death by a thousand cut scenario where there was one anonymously sourced bombshell leaked to the press after another, all of which turned out to be false. But with that never ending ceaseless narrative of the walls are closing in, the walls are closing in, the walls are closing in. They were hoping Trump would self-destruct, fire Robert Mueller and create the perception that there was a there there. Bingo. Meaning the Mueller probe wasn't designed to reach its end and give you a, uh, you know, a verdict one way or the other. Okay, the Mueller probe was designed to explode three quarters of the way through, have Trump fire Robert Mueller and allow everybody in the media to be like, see, what has he got to hide? What's going on here? The media is a bunch of losers. They really are, because when the probe ended, the jig was up and everybody had to acknowledge that he wasn't the Russian asset they had portrayed him to be with no regard for the toxic effect it had on society. What did they pivot to? Well, he is obstruction of justice is what it is. You got to understand. Okay, they would have found the collusion were it not for that obstruction of justice. And that's the real issue here. That's what we should be talking about. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. It's always going to be something with Trump. That's what you need to understand. Okay, Russian collusion became obstruction of justice. When that went nowhere, obstruction of justice became he was withholding aid from Ukraine. When that went nowhere, it became he had slandered dead veterans. When that went nowhere, it became he's going to get arrested for inciting a riot on January 6th. When that went nowhere, they seized his tax returns. When that went nowhere, what did they do? They <laughs> literally dug up a dead case, a zombie case, as they call it in the legal profession. The feds had put this case to bed. The previous Manhattan district attorney put this case to bed. But now Alvin Bragg has revived it, okay, because there are two things. One, the relevance that comes from going after Trump and the national media would be helpful to a guy like Bragg, who has no future in this town as a district attorney. Rapes and robberies are soaring. Understand, Alvin Bragg is financed by George Soros. Everybody pushing back on that. It's my favorite thing in the world, because if you really have a fair conversation right now, the claim against Trump is that his lawyer— who has put forth a letter from 2018 declaring that he was the one who paid off Stormy Daniels and did not get reimbursed by Donald Trump. That is the claim from Michael Cohen, the star witness in this case. Hey, I paid off Stormy, didn't get reimbursed by Trump. Ergo, this is not attributable to his campaign. But what is the media saying? Well, but if Michael Cohen was Trump's lawyer and he paid him off, this is no different than Trump paying him off. And that's what they'll say in one breath. But in another breath, Alvin Bragg, the district attorney of Manhattan, okay, received $500,000 from a super PAC after George Soros gave them a million. Soros gave a PAC a million bucks. They cut a check to Alvin Bragg the next day. And the Democrats are like, no, that's, you know, that's not Soros funding him. That's the PAC fund. Democrats are so full of crap. Come on, dude. But the point is there's an ideology that comes with Soros money, and the ideology is the destruction of everything that holds our society together. Whether we're talking about emptying out prisons in the name of equity, which ultimately works against the races he's purporting to care about, you know, the destruction of the nuclear family or anything in between. Okay, Alvin Bragg can't do the things that would make for a safer society. As a district attorney, prosecuting criminals is a liability when you're in a woke town like this funded by George Soros. Okay, they don't want they don't want criminals to be held accountable. That's why guys 
under Alvin Bragg have had their violent felonies lowered to misdemeanors 52% of the time. But in this instance, we're trying to take a nonviolent misdemeanor and elevate it all the way up to a felony. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. But again, he's trying desperately to bring this case, not because he thinks he can win. Okay, in the sense of the court of law will find Trump guilty, but because he thinks he can win in the court of Democratic public opinion. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Donald Trump's presidency is over, but for millions of Americans who devoted their entire lives to bashing him, the battle is just getting started. My car won't start, friggin' Trump. The Ex-President Hotline helps you find a way to move on with your life. Ex-President Hotline. He's destroying this country and he deserves to be in jail. He's not in office anymore, ma'am. Take a deep breath. Don't mansplain to me. Hating a president is a good way to avoid your own problems. Unfortunately, presidents go away, but your problems don't. Where's the tow truck? Probably stuck in traffic because of Trump. The Ex-President Hotline. Giving millions of Americans an outlet they can vote for. Thank you for holding. I understand you're calling because you're still upset about Barack Obama. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. Oh, the phones are ringing off the wall at the ex-president hotline right now. Listen to this media montage. They were so excited to get Trump arrested this week. And again, these people, they live for this. They live for it. Like, I'm here in New York. Uh, Man. We are surrounded. We're never more than three feet from a really rich white person who hates themselves. That's everyone in New York. Look at like someone like Joy Behar. Joy just utterly worthless as a commentator, making a gazillion dollars, but she's miserable. So she devotes every second of her public persona to bashing Donald Trump. And why? Why do people hate Trump this much? Again, we all disagree with people's political policies. Okay, but oftentimes... There's a certain class of person that hates themselves so much they need somebody else to be mad at so they don't have to look inward at the things they hate about themselves. That's the movie Scarface. Do you remember when Tony Montana is all coked up in the restaurant and he stands up and he's like, you need people like me. You need people like me so you can punch your fingers and say that's the bad guy. <laughs> that's Trump. They can point their fingers, point their Twitter accounts and say that's the bad guy. Here is the media. They were so excited. Clip six. The walls are closing in, as uh, as has been said before. Uh, you know who is still at large. <laughs> we all rose to the occasion. The papers, everybody just went there. So many people were excited. You should prosecute the case. You should always have them in a timely manner. But the timely manner was a year ago. <laughs> the whole world is watching our criminal justice system, and it is the first time, if he's going to be indicted, that we've indicted a former president. Uh, so I think we should take our best shot. I'm surrounded by idiots. I think we should take our best shot. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a misdemeanor 
that's already passed its statute of limitations. We're going to elevate it to a felony, and then we're hoping we can hinge this on a legal theory that's never been tried once in the court of law in the 246-year history of this country. If that's really your best shot, you're wasting America's time. That is correct. But why are they wasting America's time? I said this to you before. They have such a visceral hatred for Trump. It's beyond, you know, Trump likes to say they're coming after me because they're really after you. And that's partly true, but it's still very specific to Trump. Because the thing is, everybody in the media that works in these elite liberal circles, they're horrible human beings. They treat their staffs horribly. You stop them for a picture on the street. Like, you guys meet me on the street. It's like, you know me. Like, I'm more excited to meet you. People meet me like, oh, Jimmy Fallon, you got a change of a 20. They don't want a picture. They just talk to me. How you doing? Nice jacket. You losing weight? That's what it is. If you meet one of these MSNBC people, these CNN people, they are like, get the f- away from me. Okay, they're monsters. They hate themselves. And it kills them because a guy like Trump, who, to be clear, has led a very unconventional life and committed a lot of sins in their eyes that are worthy of eternal damnation, but don't actually amount to criminality. But they've devoted so much energy to hating him and they resent him so much for getting away with as many things that he's gotten away with that they just live to ruin the man. It's their biggest sexual fantasy. Here's Scott Jennings, though, talking about how sex in general has been a liability for Trump, but it doesn't mean this is a good case. Clip five. I'm just going to level with you guys. Most Republicans, even the people that don't want to vote for him again, think that in the history of sex, no one's ever had to do as much paperwork about it as Donald Trump. And the idea that you'd be charged with a crime for it seven years later, I mean, it just by a D.A., by the way, who has downgraded a bunch of violent, uh, violent people while they're upgrading some seven-year-old sex paperwork case. So, yeah, he's going to lean into it. Republicans are obviously responding to it. They're raising money. Do you think it weakens the other potential charges? Yes, 100%, because what they did in Georgia, quite obviously, deadly serious. The documents may be. January 6th, obviously. Uh, This one one should not be your leadoff hitter. This ought to be batting ninth, if not on the bench. Oh, man. Somewhere MSNBC just heard that clip and opened up a grief counseling hotline. And I don't doubt that they're doing the same over at CNN right now. CNN is the worst. I'm telling you, man. I laugh about this stuff. It's kind of a coping mechanism. But these people really need our support. Because if Trump doesn't get charged, oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) Gonna. You have no idea. They're going to spontaneously combust. They're just, you know, there's a word for people who spend all day hating other people. They are called losers. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. The proud moment for the country yesterday, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana was questioning a judicial nominee, an equity appointment from the Biden administration, if you will, uh, a black gentleman who seems nice by all accounts, seems like a splendid fella. I'm sure we'd have a great time at parties. Maybe he likes the movie Casino. I like the movie Casino. We'd probably get along. I don't hate people because of their politics. I don't place a lifelong value judgment against them because they disagree with me. But when it comes to appointment 
to the federal bench, this guy is not remotely qualified. I know this because he was asked by John Kennedy about one of the most basic tenets of law, which is the Brady motion. Now, the Brady motion, for those of you who have not taken 30 seconds of legal <laughs> class, the Brady motion exists and because it forces prosecutors to share their evidence with the defense. So, hey, this is what you're going to be defending yourself against. This is what we're sitting on in the case and everything in between. And it's something that is taught to you in seriously the first 15 minutes that you're in law school. Now, to be clear, I didn't go to law school, but I've read enough about court cases over the years to know what a Brady motion is, to know that the Brady motion, okay, is synonymous with just about every case you've ever read up on in your life. Uh, Here is the nominee from the Biden administration trying to tap dance around the fact that he has no idea what's going on. As far as he's concerned, a Brady motion is when Tom divorced Giselle. Here it is, clip 31. Do you know what a Brady motion is? Uh, Senator, uh, in my time on the bench, I've not had occasion to address that, and so uh, it's not coming to mind at the moment what a Brady motion is. Um, Do you recall the U.S. Supreme Court case, Brady v. Maryland? Uh, I do recall uh, the name of the case, the senator, yes. And what did it hold? I believe that the uh, Brady case, uh, in, well, Senator, I believe the Brady case involves something regarding the Second Amendment. It is not, I've not had occasion to address that. If that issue were to come before me, uh, I would certainly analyze that Supreme Court precedent uh, and apply it uh, as I would need to to the facts in front of me. In my opinion, that sucked. I mean, seriously, dude. Are you stupid or something? That is the basic. But this is a person appointed for a position he has no business, serve, no capacity to serve in. No different than I said earlier. Pete Booty Judge being in charge of transportation. Kamala Harris being the vice president of the United States. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha <laughs> ha! She really is. And of course, we cannot forget Karine Jean-Pierre. She is so bad at her job. Here is... Karine Jean-Pierre getting worse at her job. So yesterday, KJP, another diversity hire. And this is the problem I have with politics in this day and age. So it's so stupid, man. So intellectually lazy is the Biden administration. They're obsessed with identity politics. Identity is everything. They think you'll vote Democrat. Like if you're a black person, they think you'll vote Democrat because they've hired a black person. If you're a Latino, Okay, they think you'll vote Democrat because they showed up and and called you a taco, as Joe Biden did in San Antonio. It's really cheap. Okay, but they've eliminated meritocracy in their pursuit of inclusion. And because of that, it's almost by design because they want you criticizing these unqualified people so they can respond by saying it must be based in their identity. Well, why are you giving Karine Jean-Pierre a hard time? What's so different about her? Oh, I get it. Because she's a black lesbian, so you must, you can't stand a strong woman. That's what they do. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you're watching these press briefings, and it's embarrassing. Every single question, I got to go to my binder. I'm not sure. Gets it wrong. Here she is just brazenly lying. Peter Ducey asked her yesterday about the paperwork. We actually, like, we physically have seen the paperwork now that the Biden family received over a million dollars. From a Chinese Communist Party. Okay. The Biden family made over a million dollars. They break it down by name. They break it down by date. They break it down by dollar amount. Mind you, this stuff happened when Biden was the sitting vice president of the United States when this first started. And there were 150 suspicious activity reports filed by the Obama Treasury Department. 
But this particular transaction comes a little more recently after he left the vice presidential role. But the point is they physically have the receipts. Here are the dates. Here's the money. Here's who got it. Here's the bank account. Here's the original sender. So Corrine Jean-Pierre has asked about that, and I understand she doesn't want to answer the question because it's not a very convenient one. But when you're sitting on a president who remains to this day adamant that he never talked to his son once, never once about his business dealings. You're alive. Even as his family made money off them, even as his son flew to China with him on Air Force Two. Nobody listening to this has ever borrowed the car from their parents without asking where they were going that night. The car. Okay, a Ford Maverick. <laughs> whatever, whatever you're driving back, that Dodge Duster, you know, whatever, whatever the hell you're driving. doesn't matter. It's a Volkswagen. Whatever your parents were driving, they gave it to you. It's a Bonneville. Okay. They said, where are you going tonight? But Joe Biden wants you to believe the kid had access to Air Force Two. And he didn't want to know where he was going. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Never mind that we have photos, documented evidence of Biden meeting with his son's business partners. Never mind that we have emails, documented evidence in which Hunter's business partners thanked him for meeting with his dad. Hey, thanks for bringing your dad. We all feel better. That whole thing. Are you the big man, Joe? Absolutely. But here's Corrine Jean-Pierre, a diversity hire. Okay, and again... They, if, if the goal was to get a black lesbian as White House press secretary, who great, fine, whatever. Just get somebody good at the job. That's all we care about. It's not about their race or their gender. It's about their incompetency. Okay, when you talk about the transportation department, everything is crumbling right now. We're not mad because Pete Buttigieg is gay. We're mad because the guy sucks at his job. You are correct, sir. Here is Corrine Jean-Pierre asked about the Biden family business deals. Clip 32. House Oversight says they've got bank records showing a Chinese energy company paying three Biden family members through a third party. What were they paid for? Look, I'm just not going to respond to that from here. Look, we have heard from House Republicans for years and years and years um, how, uh, how the inaccuracies and lies when it comes to this issue. And I don't even know where to begin to even answer that question because, again, it's been lies and lies and inaccuracy for the past uh, couple of years, and I'm just not going to get into it from here. You are so full of sh- I mean, really. I'll play it again for the people in the back. You are so full of sh- Okay, she wants you to believe, ah, when it comes to this, that's been lies and lies from the Republicans. Okay, the Republicans said the Hunter Biden laptop was real. Was that a lie? The answer would be no. Mm. The Republicans said that Joe Biden met with his son's business partners. Was that a lie? The answer would be no. Weird. Hunter Biden's business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, came forward and said that he had uh, designated Biden as the big guy, was kicking back 10% of the money to the Biden family. Okay. On the real laptop. Hunter Biden has since turned around and filed a lawsuit against the operator of the computer repair shop where the laptop was found saying he's defamed his character by leaking that content. Think about that for a second. If the laptop is fake, how could the content be real? I think he's got a point. The whole, the whole, the point is, yeah, well, here's the point. The point is the Democrats are full of <laughs> And Karine Jean-Pierre doesn't know how to answer these questions. Now her boss has put her in a really bad spot. 
But the reason Republicans come back to the Hunter stuff over and over, people on the left say, well, Hunter Biden's not the president. What does it matter? He's not running for office. No, no, no. But the guy who's in office is linked on paper to profiting from an infants peddling scheme overseas that happens to entangle him and his family with our number one geopolitical foe in China. And what's going on right now? We've got this TikTok hearing on Capitol Hill because TikTok, the parent company ByteDance, it's run by the Chinese Communist Party. They've been using it to not only steal your data, but pump your kids full of anti-American propaganda. That's what's going on. And now there's this massive appetite here in America to ban TikTok, which would be a massive act of government censorship. It's kind of hard to get behind that. But at the same time, when you realize just how abusive TikTok has been to the well-being of this country, there does come a point where it's worth maybe having this conversation. We're not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. And understand, the accusations, okay, are verifiable. Uh, one is a good example. Kat Kamek, she comes on the show a lot. She'll be on the show tomorrow. Kat Kamek, representative from Florida. Okay, there has been on TikTok uh, a video that's been up for 41 days promising to shoot the lead of today's committee. And the anti-Americans over at TikTok didn't run out and try to censor the thing. They don't care. They're not actually trying to protect conservatives. Uh, they are very much trashing America at every turn. And in the process, while everybody's, you know, lip syncing in a dance routine with their cat or, you know, Making some, you know, wacky here. Here I am pretending I'm Yoda. <laughs> it's like weird. People do weird things on TikTok. Like my take on TikTok is they don't use it this way in China. It's used for academic purposes. Kids are only limited to 40, day, 40 minutes a day of actual usage. I believe China is punking us with TikTok. Like they created this app then they introduced weird crazes and all these fat, stupid Americans partake in them. While over in China, they just laugh their butts off every night. They're probably watching us on primetime television. Ah, look at these idiots in America doing another dance number. <laughs> look, this, guy, this, guy's got, this guy's got his cat dressed up as Harry Potter. He's trying to get likes from strangers while they're all killing time on the toilet. What a dumb country America is. That's kind of what's going on. Uh, but here's TikTok CEO saying they're going to, you know, they're going to protect us. You don't understand. We spend a lot of time limiting access to teenagers, and we're just looking out for you. And that's what he wants you to believe. But understand this. They're on Capitol Hill saying these things like everybody else comes to Capitol Hill and says. You know how many times Jack Dorsey at Twitter said, we're not biased. We're not going to give you a hard time. Don't worry, but we're going to do better. And they're just there because it's a show. It's all a show. It allows the congressmen to get their sound, to get their sound bites and look tough and scream and yell. But at the end of the day, there's so much lobbyist money behind Twitter. There was so much lobbyist money behind Facebook that they never changed anything. Okay, here in TikTok, all they're trying to do right now is not get banned. Okay, and as long as they don't get banned and the issue goes away, they can continue to harvest your data and manipulate the youth of the country. TikTok is a really toxic asset. Okay, and, you know, one of the things the Biden administration did last week, to their credit, was admit it's a toxic asset. But you know what they did after that? <laughs> they had the president appear in a TikTok video. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Here is John Kirby speaking at the White House on a Biden appearing in TikTok videos. Clip 25. 
I wanted to follow up on TikTok. Obviously, you've expressed again today the national security concerns uh, with the app. Why then did the president agree to appear in TikTok videos as recently as, I think, St. Patrick's Day? Again, we, uh, we have not changed our national security concerns uh, about the app. Uh, it's, it's, not, uh, on, uh, it's not for use on, uh, on government uh, devices, and uh, I don't have anything more for but you on that. Does it send the wrong message if the administration is weighing a ban or could in the future have to weigh it? We have been very consistent about our concerns over TikTok. So the scam here. Okay, we're very concerned. We're so concerned, in fact. We're putting the president of the United States on the app we claim to be concerned with. What an idiot. Okay, yes, it's stealing our data. Yes, it's manipulating our kids. But here is Jamal Bowman, an idiot, Democratic representative from New York, and his position is racism. Doesn't matter what, what's going on today. Hey, see that Yankee game last night? They lost 5-4 in extras. Well, racism. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> 56 degrees out today. You know, it's 44 yesterday. This is a lot better. Well, yeah, but racism. Here he is saying the reason Republicans are mad about TikTok is racism and xenophobia. Clip 29. So let's not have a dishonest conversation. Let's not be racist towards China and express our xenophobia when it comes to TikTok because American companies have done tremendous harm to American people. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Now, Jamal Bowman is a stupid person. That's, you know, has nothing to do with his race. You know, he could try to repurpose my comment as I'm upset. I, I have a problem with a, you know, black representative. No, I don't. Tim Scott's coming on <laughs> an hour from now. He's a senator from South Carolina. It's the first black American elected to, elected to both houses of Congress. I am inspired by the progress he represents in our society. In no way, shape, or form am I rooting against any people of any race. But stupid people, yeah, I got to be honest. My patience is growing short because the biggest problem facing this country right now is a stupid problem. That's it. It's not the crime problem. It's not the border problem. It's not the inflation problem. It's the stupid problem. Stupid people got elected by stupid people who responded to claims of racism and bigotry and uh, patriarchy and rah, misogyny, rah. So now you got a bunch of grifters in Washington who don't know how to attack critical problems without yelling racism. These people are lazy. They're intellectually lazy, and they're catering to people who are even lazier than them. Well, y'all, well, no, what it is, the Republicans are racist towards China. So like 40% of the country hears that, and they're like, well, it's, I'm done with this story. I get it now. Just the Republicans are racist towards China. Makes sense. Okay, yeah, no, these bunch of white Republicans. Yep, that's it. I'm done. Let me get back on TikTok and have my data stolen, if that's okay with you. Oh, actually, they're stealing my medical information now. Whoop, they just logged on to my home Wi-Fi. Do you know TikTok? Okay, if you're using it on your phone with Bluetooth turned on, if you're using your home system. So let's say we have a router in our house, the Fela family. Okay, TikTok, if it's on my phone and it's right there in the terms of agreement, if it's on your phone, it can hook up to your home router. Whether you're using Wi-Fi or not on your cell phone, it can hook up to your router, at which point it can not only steal information off your phone, but it can now start pulling information off any other device in your house linked to that Wi-Fi. I got a bad feeling about this. Okay, but we're yelling racism because it's more important to score political points than it is to hold things like this in check. And that's the biggest problem facing our country. I'm only telling you because I care. 
There are so many people pretending to care in Washington, pretending to fight racism and injustice and everything in between. It goes on every day because it's the easiest card to play. There was a time when it was shameful in our society to do stuff like this. They're like, oh, so-and-so is playing a race card. Come on, man. There's more to it than this. But now we're living at a time where there's never been less. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Trying to hold this country together one show at a time. I'm bringing in some heavyweight backup. Jim Jordan's coming in from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. And Tim Scott, a man who very well could be the next president of the United States of America. Wrong. I don't know. Scott said if he if he does run, he's going to announce it on this show. But he might have been hustling me. That might have been a political move right there. Might have been working the media guy. Uh, but I do like Tim Scott quite a bit. So I'm thrilled to have him on. And uh, we're going to put him through the ringer on whether or not he's running and, you know, what the policies are and what he thinks of the rest of the field. You know, I'm going to try to cook something up, have some fun here. But Jim Jordan's stopping by in the next break to explain why he is investigating the investigators that are trying to indict Donald Trump. It's going to be a wild one. Buckle up. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We're lacing them up. It's going to be a track meet the rest of the way. Jim Jordan's coming by from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. And South Carolina Senator Tim Scott also going to be in the House to weigh in on the hot rumor in Washington, which is that he is going to be entering the race for the White House any minute now. Some reports saying it could happen as soon as next week. Uh, Always exciting to hear from a guy who wants to be your president. Uh, So we will certainly get into all of that and a lot more in this hour at 888-788-9910. They're investigating the investigators. That's what's going on right now. What the hell is the world coming to? Well, it's weird because this is almost necessary. I don't consider this a sign of our decline. I consider the potential prosecution of Trump on the Stormy Daniels thing. Uh, a sign of our decline because it's a weaponized justice system. And essentially, that's what Jim Jordan is looking into. So I'm going to read this. Uh, You know, Jordan, of course, heads up the House Judiciary Committee, and he is investigating Bragg, Alvin Bragg's handling of the Trump hush money payment case. Okay, and if you don't follow the story from word one, all the way back in 2016, Stormy Daniels was trying to sell a story to tabloids that she had, in fact, hooked up with Donald Trump. I love it when you talk dirty. Oh, come on. The point is, Trump allegedly uh, bought her silence, paid her hush money because he didn't want to embarrass Melania and subject the family uh, to, you know, the intense media scrutiny that would come with such a thing. So prior to Trump entering the presidential race, his lawyer, Michael Cohen, submitted, you know, uh, payment to Stormy Daniels. There was a $130,000 payment. And hush money is not illegal, uh, but I, maybe because she's a stripper, he was supposed to pay her in singles. I don't know. But the point is the whole thing was put to bed. The feds looked into it and said, no, nah, there's not enough here to charge the guy. The last district attorney 
Cyrus Vance, looked into it and said, no, there's not enough here to charge the guy. But then Alvin Bragg came along and said, actually, actually, we're going to dig this case up and we're going to go ahead and we're going to charge the guy. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Well, that's how a lot of people feel, mainly because Alvin Bragg had run for district attorney on a promise to prosecute Donald Trump. That was a core focus of his campaign. Uh, You can get elected to just about anything in New York, you know, in a lot of blue cities by just running against Trump, even if it doesn't actually affect the job or overlap with your purview in any way. You can still be like, well, I'll get Trump. And Democrats are like, oh, no, I hate Trump. That's great. Yeah, no, we'll vote for this guy. Oh, wait, what's he going to do? He's going to let all the violent criminals out of jail? Yeah, this sounds great, honey. Come on, get the kids. Let's go vote for the guy that's going to let the criminals out. What could go wrong? That's what went on. So what happened is yesterday, Jordan, uh, he sent letters to former assistants to the district attorney. Uh, They had both resigned in February of 22. And allegedly they resigned because they disagreed with the district attorney's reluctance to charge Trump. But what Jordan's trying to get to the bottom of, of, and he's going to tell us here in this hour, is just how politically motivated this case was. That's what they're trying to understand because it doesn't really hold up the scrutiny when you realize the feds passed, when you realize the other district attorney passed. And the bigger issue we have as New Yorkers is like if you live here, the city's a mess. I know most of you don't care about New York on, you know, across the country, nor should you. I mean, it's it's a dump. Any any town that's really subjected itself to one party rule, things ultimately go downhill. You look at Chicago, you look at LA, you look at San Francisco, you know, look at Philadelphia, you look at Baltimore, you look at Milwaukee, you look at Minneapolis. Remember when they rioted in Minneapolis after the death of George Floyd? all the liberals became began quoting Martin Luther King again. Okay, most of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech would get booed on a liberal college campus. I want to live in a world where we judge people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. The liberals would be like, oh, hell no! The color of your skin is everything! What do you mean, Dr. King? Content of your character. I don't want to, I want to hear a word about the content. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person! That's what they'd say to him. If you're like, I want to live in a world where we judge people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin, and the Democrats would be like, that's not right. Of color of your skin is everything. But when the George Floyd riots broke out, what did the Democrats do? They pivoted in an effort to justify them. Don't ever forget, Kamala Harris tweeted a link to bail out the violent protesters in Minneapolis who burned down 100 black-owned businesses. She tweeted a link. Hey, you got to help bail these people out. Come on. And what did they all do? They quoted Martin Luther King. They said, a riot is the language of the unheard. People don't feel heard. So they riot. They lash out. Okay? Well, understand, if a riot is the language of the unheard, and these people live in cities that have been run by Democrats for 65 years, then the reason they feel unheard is because Democrats aren't listening to them. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Total. Okay, that's the racket here. Oh, the riots, the language of the unheard. Well, in a one-party town, you're not heard because they don't have to work to earn your vote. They don't have to improve the quality of anything. You look at Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg has written down violent felonies 52% of the time. Which means if you're a woman or a child in this town, you're a man in this child, okay, your city has become more dangerous under his watch because he's created a society that thinks the criminal is the victim. Well, this guy's out murdering people, but 
you know, you understand the way he was raised. And uh, so let him out of jail. Wait, wait. No, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. I understand there are people who fall through the cracks in society and we should be doing everything we can to fill in those cracks. But in the meantime, creating a world that has more empathy for the criminal than the cop, that has more empathy for the criminal than the victim. You know, you think about it. Think about the guy Jacob Blake out in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Woman has an order of protection against him. Jacob Blake shows up to the house. Okay, sexually assaults the woman at knife point in front of her child, then attempts to abduct the child. Cops show up, get in a violent fight with Jacob Blake. They wind up shooting a guy. Okay, he's paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, what do they do? They go meet with Jacob Blake because in the summer of 2020, every cop is a racist. We're going to defund the police. You know, they shot this guy because of the color of his skin. Never mind that the woman he was sexually assaulting was black. Never mind that the child he was trying to abduct was black. No, no, they shot him because of the color of his skin. That's what they went with. And do you understand that really set our society on fire? And they were banking for political purposes on a mob mentality that was dumb enough to believe the cops are a bigger threat to the community than the criminals they were sworn to protect them against. And we lost our empathy for the cop. And in the process, we ushered in a lot of woke bail initiatives that let violent criminals out on the street, that got guys like Alvin Bragg elected, guys who vowed, oh, we're going to empty the prisons. Ah, oh, it's racial police. We're going to go after Trump. That's what we're going to do. And now your streets are a mess. And we're in this position where, you know, people are unheard more so than ever. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you're not heard. Every time some lunatic goes out and breaks one of the 2,000 gun laws that go unprosecuted every day in this country, they turn around and say, well, we have to pass another gun law. That's what they do. Okay, the law-abiding citizen is usually the victim of everything that's going on in our country. Okay, we don't need more gun laws. We need more enforcement of the ones that currently exist. That would be fair. But it's the same thing with the restrictions on police. Every day they want to give you a new way to make the police job harder. But is there anybody out there talking about how, oh, I don't know, we could really step up enforcement on criminals? Like, would that be a, you know, I don't know, a priority at some point? No. And that's the problem with the world we're living in right now. A lot of the things that affect your quality of life aren't really being prioritized by the people running the local government because, you know, their biggest priority is obviously getting reelected. So when you hear Jordan investigating somebody like Alvin Bragg, and he's going to talk about it when he joins us, you know, what they're ultimately trying to do is discourage, discourage these politically motivated prosecutions and bring our Justice Department back to a place where it's trying to apply justice for no other reason than because it needs to be. They're trying to make justice blind. They're not trying to make justice woke or inclusive or trans or non-binary. They're not trying to make justice climate friendly. (laughs) They're trying to make justice fair. They're trying to make justice, you know, go where it's supposed to go. And we haven't had that. It's, It's a really weird thing to say. It's weird. Like if a politician comes out and he's like, I support the cops. Half the country's like, what do you mean? How dare you? And then what happens? A crime is committed in their atmosphere. And the first thing, what do you think they do? Look, if you hate cops just because of the cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. I mean, seriously. But is anybody calling a crackhead? No. So here's a little more of Jordan's letter. Okay, Jordan is requesting that the former assistants to the DA testify 
during a transcribed interview. Okay, so we sent him a list of questions. He wants them to hand over documents and communications. And the letter says, based on your unique role in this matter, your subsequent public statements prejudicing the impartiality of any prosecution, we request your cooperation with our oversight of this politically motivated prosecutorial decision. That's what he wrote. And basically he's saying to Alvin Bragg, yo, dude, (laughs) what gives? Why is this a thing? How is it the feds passed on this? How is it that the previous DA passed on it? But you, at a time when all the violent felons are going free in New York, are going after this guy because he shacked up with a stripper. How can you tell us this is justified? And again, if somebody really broke the law and did so in an egregious fashion, it doesn't matter to me that they used to be the president. You know, like I said, if Trump was really doing what they were accusing him to do with classified documents, oh, he's selling them. He's selling nuclear secrets. That was the accusation for about a half hour. And if that were the case, yeah, okay, you'd want him held accountable. Okay, if he had legitimately colluded with Russia to overthrow, yeah, you'd want him accountable. But in this instance, this is a parking ticket, and he didn't even park where they said he did, so the whole thing is a scam. So every question, you know, Jim Jordan is asking right now is a question he should be asking. You know, but the people who don't get it are the people who are so blinded by partisan politics that they allow this to go on in their town. Like New Yorkers are really like wildly liberal, like a weapons grade level of liberalism. Okay, we got you name it. We got all the stuff, the plastic straws. It's it's you know, they're gone. It's nuts. Anything you can think of, every virtue signal on the climate every woke bail reform, every dumb piece of school curriculum that matters. We had the longest shutdowns. We kept the kids out of school the longest. I mean, our inner city schools, our high schools, are reading at a second grade level right now. I love the poorly educated. Well, there's plenty of them here in New York. Kids are being failed, man. Same thing out in Los Angeles right now. Teachers unions on strike again. These kids just missed two years of school. Teachers unions are filming flash mobs on TikTok, doing choreographed dance routines in the middle of the city to show how, you know. They're crazy. Yeah, that's really what they're showing you. But no one's expressing any interest in actually helping the kids. You want to help the kids, you get in the damn classroom and teach them. You know, the L.A. school district got $2.6 billion in COVID relief money. $2.6 billion. And now they're sitting here going on strike because they're saying they want more money. Wait, what? Shut up. Kids aren't even getting an education. But these are the kind of things that go on in one-party towns. You can get away with prosecuting an ex-president over a garbage charge, and you don't have to worry about the actual crime that's soaring in your city. Like, you think about this all the time. We have a lot of security at Fox. Uh, The women who come and go on this channel are escorted by security everywhere they go, put into the car, taken out of the car, walked over to the restaurant, walked back from the restaurant. But despite that big security presence and everything in between, it's it's like it, it blows my mind. But I'm constantly in green rooms here at Fox where um, women I work with are sitting there talking to each other about this new weapon they got, this new mace they got, these new brass knuckles, whatever the hell they got. Because they don't feel safe in this city. And they shouldn't if you're paying attention. But while everyone I know, women I respect and love and admire and work with, are talking about what the easiest deployable version of mace they can throw into their purse is, we've got a district attorney who's going after a president Okay, for legitimately nothing. And again, if he was going after Trump for this and he was locking up violent criminals and the women in my life weren't walking around with weapons, feeling compelled. Remember the old American Express card? Don't leave home without it. That's how women in New York City feel about weapons. Think about that. I, you know, I don't doubt a lot of states listening have open carry and there's a lot of armed women around the country. And I'm, you know, all for it. I think you have every right to self-defense. I encourage that sort of thing. 
But I would also posit to this conversation that a lot of you are living in neighborhoods around the world where you are willing to leave the house without some type of self-defense mechanism. The women in my town aren't, okay, and the district attorney doesn't give a rat's ass about it because it's more important for him to score political points. And I'm telling you that is why everybody thinks this is a scam. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. It's the number one children's show in the country. He's a lot better at radio than he is being a dad. Oh, snap. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fail. A quick programming note. Jim Jordan's going to be joining us in the next hour. It'll be Jordan right before Scott, like a little relay race. Going to take the baton, pass it over to Scott. They're actually doing stuff right now. There's a TikTok hearing going on. Judiciary's middle of, in the middle of a whole thing in D.C. They're actually doing the people's work. Uh, and he just called in to tell us he's going to call in at 2.20. So that went on. Uh, in between, I was watching Kamala Harris on the television set during the commercial break. Uh, Listen, if you're hungry, here's a little word salad for you. Get out the dressing, clip 39. So during Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history, (laughs) who saw what could be unburdened by what had been. What an idiot. (laughs) During Women's History, we celebrate the women who made history throughout history. (laughs) What could be unburdened by what had been? You're a loony. She's an actual crazy person. She's stupid, just really uncomfortable in her own skin. But this is where we got as a country. Okay, if you were an objective observer and you had really, like, paid attention during the Trump years, okay, you might not have liked his personality. You certainly would have been bothered by his tweets. Okay, I was writing a cable news show during the Trump years. I was a head writer for Kennedy on Fox Business. I'll be on that show tonight. I'm on Kennedy before I go on Hannity, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Hey, girl. Uh, but I was covering these tweets every day. And, yes, it was exhausting. If you were writing a cable news show, every 10 minutes you had to change the whole show because he tweeted something else. Like, oh, here we go again. Oh, man, this is crazy. Unbelievable. But in any event, I don't doubt that it bothered a lot of people. But on a substantive level, he was better. Okay, he lowered the taxes for 90 percent of Americans. In fact, the only percent of Americans who didn't get a tax cut under Trump were the wealthiest who pay the highest amounts of property taxes and were no longer to write off, allowed to write off more than $10,000 in property taxes. He eliminated the salt tax, the state and local tax. Okay, that raised taxes on the rich. Everybody else got a tax cut. We had the lowest recorded unemployment rate in the history. Illegal border crossings were down by 85 percent. NATO people were actually spending more money. Never mind that he let over 300,000 nonviolent black drug offenders out of jail. Nonviolent black drug offenders that were sentenced under the overzealous guidelines of the 1994 Joe Biden crime bill. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Okay, if you were paying attention to substance, he also ushered in $75 billion in opportunity zones. With the help of Tim Scott, a guy he's going to wind up running against in 2024. The point is he was substantively good for America. Probably bad for the mood a lot. Really impossible on Twitter. But if you were paying attention, okay, none of the problems we're dealing with right now. Inflation, the border, the fentanyl, 
Russia, China, everything being emboldened around the world, they weren't happening under the last guy. But this administration's just terrible. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Emily Campagna says Def Leppard is the most universally beloved music in the world. That was her claim. She made it on this show the other day. What an idiot. I'll be nice to Emily and go listen to her podcast, the Fox Across, the Fox Across, the Fox News True Crime Podcast. We don't have a true crime podcast, but Emily does. She's a brilliant legal mastermind, and she loves Def Leppard. That's actually her favorite band. Uh, she loves Def Leppard, uh, and it's I, I always laugh because we have this thing going on at Fox where – at some point, we're going to go out and we're going to like, yeah, we're going to go do like a Fox News karaoke party and we're going to like post it on the Internet and like let everybody like play along at home. And uh, it always sounds like a good idea. Like karaoke is a great idea. It is until like you're doing karaoke. Like I'm still traumatized because when we were out at Connect FM in Dubois, Pennsylvania, they took me to the best – it was like the best restaurant I'd eaten at in like five years. But it, for real. But it was the worst karaoke I had ever heard in my life. It was damn, it was hard. I still have weird flashbacks when I hear Tony Bennett songs. And I think back to the people swing, singing in Clearfield. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. This isn't good. It's not good. Well, I will tell you, if you were watching these COVID hearings yesterday, and I wanted to give you a couple of these clips because Rand Paul was on the show this week, and I got a lot of notes from people who listened to the Rand Paul interview. I'm like, oh, it was a good interview. Rand Paul it was interesting. He was funny. Made a lot of good points about Fauci. Well, yesterday, Rand Paul was on Capitol Hill, and he was questioning the CEO of Moderna on the increase in myocarditis cases. And Rand Paul, to his credit, outed this guy for just lying his ass off. Uh, it is clip 10. Pretty much a yes or no. Is there a higher incidence of myocarditis among boys 16 to 24 after they take your vaccine? The data I've shown actually, I've seen, sorry, from the CDC actually shown that there's less myocarditis for people who get the vaccine versus who get COVID infection. You're, you're saying that for ages 16 to 24 among males who take the COVID vaccine, their risk of myocarditis is less than people who get the disease. That is my understanding. That is not true. And I'd like to enter into the record six peer-reviewed papers from the Journal of Vaccine, the Annals of Medicine, that say the complete opposite of what you say. Wow. Garbage like you just makes me sick. And here is Rand last night after the hearing. He went on uh, Jesse Waters' primetime. And he talked about how Moderna wants a government bailout despite making all of this money, despite all the stock buybacks they have the cash to pay out. Here it is, clip 15. About the only truthful thing he said was the demand for the vaccine's going down, so he's got to raise the price. And the demand's going down because, of course, the virus became less lethal. Most people have immunity either from being previously vaccinated or previously infected. But no, I didn't find him to be forthcoming or honest, particularly about the myocarditis risk. Most of the rest of the world doesn't give this vaccine to anyone under 12. And anybody watching this program, if your kid's already had COVID, he doesn't need a COVID vaccine. And anybody under 12, unless they have special health problems, I don't think they need a vaccine either. So the thing is, they're not being honest because obviously they're self-interested and they love the mandate. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Rand Paul telling it like it is. And he's telling you the truth, man. Okay, we were lied to 
The whole theme of this show, whole theme, Fox Trust America. Hey, what do I say? Be a Republican, be a Democrat. Don't be a, you know, behave. And the point being is we're all teammates. You can disagree with me politically. I can disagree with you. We're still playing the same American team. We still live in the same country. As the country goes, we go. Well, we lost our ability to pursue common cause in this country. The combination of social media, the Trump era, weaponized media, everything in between. We now, you know, get out of bed and have it's really wild. But it's like there's this bigger desire to beat the other team than there is to realize that there are key points in our lives where our universal (laughs) membership on the same American team should take precedence over everything else. COVID was one of those issues. COVID didn't know if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Didn't know. Okay, so we were supposed to, like, put our political differences aside and be like, all right, let's figure out this COVID thing. But because it hit us in an election year, COVID became a referendum on who should be running the country. Never mind that basically the key issue, the thing that destroyed the Trump presidency is that he listened to Fauci, shut down the country. And at the same time, he was following all the orders of the patron St. Anthony Fauci, the guy the Democrats glorify to this day. He was vilified as being the reason we had the COVID deaths that we did. It was a little bit of a double standard. And understand that COVID spread at four times the rate under Biden that it did under Trump. Four times the rate. Never mind that five times as many people died of COVID in the first year under Biden with a vaccine than they did under Trump. You dig? So... If the whole predicate for, you know, getting premise for getting rid of Trump was, well, you know, look at how we mismanaged COVID. Okay, well, you replaced him with a guy who had the virus spreading four times as fast, despite not one, not two, but three vaccines. And of course, that only happened. Why? Because the vaccine wasn't a vaccine. Correct the mundo. You could tell me it was a therapeutic. But the point is, we were denied the ability to converse honestly about the vaccine and about how COVID was affecting us. Why did we get denied that opportunity? One of it was because of power, was because of censorship. You know, the other was because people were making all kinds of dough pushing this vaccine. Money, 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 money. Never forget what Rand Paul said on the show. He asked Fauci under oath, hey, are you or any of the other panel members getting royalties from pushing these vaccines? And what was Fauci's answer? Well, under the law, I don't have to tell you whether or not I'm making that money. He should be behind bars. Seriously, because what is he telling you? Yes, I am making that money. That's what I'm doing. If you were doing something, folks, as nefarious as benefiting from pushing untested medicine onto children, and you were making financial money off of that, you had no idea how it was going to affect them long term. Because to be clear, we don't know. We don't have studies on this. We don't know. Okay, if you were making money pushing medicine on children with no idea how it was going to affect them long term, you'd want to distance yourself from that allegation because it's disgusting. But the reason Fauci didn't distance himself from that allegation, he simply said, I don't have to tell you, is because he was under oath. And if the proof came out that he had perjured himself, he would be subjecting himself to criminal culpability, criminal liability. So Fauci hid behind some stupid interpretation of a 1980 statute and told Rand Paul, I'm not going to tell you whether or not I'm making money pushing this vaccine. Okay, Moderna, who has made a gazillion dollars pushing this vaccine, now looking for a bailout. Okay, but the problem we're having in this moment 
is that they only made the cash that they did. Okay, they only acquired the foothold in our politics that they did because Biden got into office, swore that he'd never implement a mandate, and then turned around and implemented a mandate. And that's not me making this up. If you're listening for the first time, I'm not some guy who just wants to get you mad at Democrats. If there's anything at all I ever want you to be mad about, it's the fact that the politics come before the people constantly, and it drives me crazy. Here's the Biden administration weighing in on mandates. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. But Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates, and if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. Um, that is the role that institutions, private sector entities, uh, and others may take. That certainly is appropriate. Also, local communities uh, are going to take uh, steps they need to take. I don't think you'll ever see a mandating of vaccine, particularly for the general public. I mean, dude. Step into my office. Why? Because you're fired. I mean, seriously. And here is, you know, not only was there not going to be a mandate, but if you remember, here's Rochelle Walensky, head of the CDC, flat out telling you vaccinated people don't get the virus. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world data. Oh, shut up, woman. They didn't have real world data. Do you understand they were lying to you? Our data shows us today that vaccinated people don't get sick and don't carry the virus. Dude, we've had over a half a million vaccinated people die from the virus. Does that sound like a working vaccine when you can die from the thing you're vaccinated against? The answer would be no. Does it even sound like a working vaccine when you can catch the thing you're vaccinated against? The answer would be no. The deal with a vaccine, vaccine, okay, is you are vaccinated. You're not going to get it. Remember En Vogue? Never going to get it. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. That was the claim. Okay, Rachel Maddow herself, the high priestess of liberalism on MSNBC. It means that instead Listen of the vaccine this. being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Just so we're clear, the rate of COVID transmission was four times as high under Biden as it was under Trump, meaning during the vaccinated era, the rate of transmission multiplied by a margin of four with the vaccine involved. In the last month of available data we have at our disposal, more vaccinated people died of COVID than unvaccinated people. But they were on TV beating you down, calling for the you're firing from your job. Your kid can't go to school. You can't go shopping. Nobody's boarding a plane. You gotta have the vaccine. 
And why, again and again and again, did you have to have the vaccine? Money, 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 money. They were making money. And now the people who mandated that vaccine, like Bernie Sanders, here's a good example, is complaining that the pharmaceutical companies are charging too much money. Here it is, clip 12. We have no transparency in pricing. It is a totally insane situation. Everybody pays a different price. The United States government helped you develop that vaccine. It is a huge consumer. Are you prepared to substantially charge less for the vaccine to the United States government and our agencies? Given the situation at hand, Mr. Chairman, we have no idea of the volume that we needed this year. We have very increased complexity. Yeah, you have complexity, but you have money for stock buybacks by the billions, and you guys became billionaires. That doesn't seem too complex to me. I mean, poor Bernie, though, because you have to understand. Why are we in the position that we're in? Because they mandated the product. Dummy. If you pass a law that says everybody has to get Domino's pizza, guess what? Domino's can charge whatever the hell it wants because everybody has to buy it. The law didn't say everybody has to get vaccinated as long as the cost remains here. The law didn't say everybody's got to get vaccinated as long as they commit to this amount of dosage for this amount of people and provide us with this amount of data. The law simply said you must buy this product. The only difference between doing that with a vaccine and doing that with Domino's is Domino's works. It's tasty. You'll enjoy it. Okay? The vaccine, if you're looking at the death numbers, if you're looking at the infection numbers, it doesn't work. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. A show with substance and style. This is my oldest guy in the boy band look. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He's a good-looking Italian. It takes a while. You don't open with a goat. You know, you don't open with your closer. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. One of the nice things of working here at Fox News headquarters is you never know who's going to barrel into your studio. Uh, joining us now is former congressman from the great state of Utah, a Fox News contributor who just got off the outnumbered couch. Jason Chaffetz back in the house. Hey, man. I'm doing a little drive-by. Thanks for letting me this come in. Actual... Security's pretty, you know, I would have thought. <laughs> you think a show of this magnitude. I went through the security, then they patted me down, well, and so they figure I was safe. And Well, it's, it's funny. But I still it, crashed your door. It depends on the show. Okay, because if you come up here looking suspicious and, and, you know, they're like, oh, you're looking for failures right down the hall. (laughs) It's the first studio on the right. Just don't go too far because that's Kilmeade. Like they would tackle you if you were on your way to Kilmeade. But to mine, they're like, oh, no, no, sir, you're going the wrong way. The funnel does point this direction. Yes, (laughs) sir. That ticking device in your bag. No, it's Studio One. You're going to want to go to Studio One. Good to see you, man. Um, Did did Outnumbered feel a lot like the show has felt in that it's kind of like the news is that there's no news. We're in kind of like a rain delay. I love doing that show. Yeah, it's a great show. It, oh, yeah. it's what it, but, but the news cycle feels still like a rain Still talking delay. about, yes. you know, the pending, what it might happen. Mm-hmm. and um, But they also got off and, you know, started talking about TikTok and other news of yeah. the day and some of the crazy stuff they're doing in Philadelphia and crime and everything Wacky, else. right? So, well, the TikTok one is crazy to me. I was, I was covering this earlier, but in the interest of keeping the audience awake, I don't play too much hearing footage. Because yeah. some of it's long and soundbitey and stuff that's like that. That's what C-SPAN's for. Yeah. The, <laughs> that's the your, nap channel. That's your sleep aid over there, folks. Come on. You know what? I, oh, wait. I got a story yeah, for this. give it to me. So when I, I started talking to Fox and they're like, 
you know, maybe there's a relationship here to be a contributor. Uh-huh. And Fox said, you know, well, why should we take you? And I said, look, I had the number one rated show on C-SPAN. <laughs> <laughs> I was chairman of the oversight committee. Think about that. There were at least four people awake watching that. No, no I didn't. I know they're watching. I, they may not be awake, you, but yeah. I know. You know what I love about C-SPAN? I love, like, because they set up camera shots. They'll show your whole committee meeting. Yeah. And then everyone leaves the room, but they keep the camera shot up. No, they're robotic. There's yeah, not yeah. even people yeah, there. It's I mean. just a camera on a wall. Now there's, like, literally a guy mopping the stage, listening to his headphones, singing along to his song. They songs. might as well set up, like, the ring doorbell. That's yeah. what they should just... <laughs> C-SPAN. The hey, ring a member doorbell. walked in, you know, and then the little video comes on. Who are all these pizza guys? This is unbelievable. There's trick-or-treaters on hey, C-SPAN. a dog, a random dog. What's going by. on here? Jason Chaffetz is in the house. Not for long. We're not long for this world. We're like two minutes from break. But you stop by. He did an actual radio drive-by because that's how the show works. It's an open-door policy is what we would say. Um, you're in town. You're in New York. Um, I know in Utah, are they waiting with bated breath for uh, a referendum one way or the other on this Trump case, or is that just a New York thing? No, they've been they've been running this story for seven years. This, <laughs> the, true. this story has been, he's about to get... The oh, walls are closing in. These are the slowest walls He's going to be in jail. He's like, come on, leave the guy alone at this point. If it's, you don't have something after seven years, yeah, they give don't. it up. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And in New York, you know, the one thing I keep laughing at, you know, and I laugh in crazy times because it's a coping mechanism. But everybody was saying at the beginning of the week, they're like, oh, you know, Antifa's going to show up. The rioters are going to show up. They're going to destroy this place. And I'm like, how would you know the difference? Like, <laughs> I, I actually believe Antifa already came. They looked around and they were like, oh, no, somebody already destroyed it. We're good here. Yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't they wouldn't even know. How would you know lower Manhattan was destroyed right now? You wouldn't, you know. No. So it's... that's the scam. And that's where I think a lot of New Yorkers are also bothered by Bragg. And we've talked about this to the point of exhaustion is obviously yeah. there's an indifference to real crime here, you know. And uh, I'm particularly resentful really quick. I got dragged into one of those breakdancing mobs the other night. I was at the Ranger game with Lincoln. Yeah. We were cutting through Times Square, and they dragged me into the mob to be one of the tourist props that they jump over. The jacket you're wearing fits right in with that. <laughs> that. You must have been practicing because – Jason Chaffetz. That's enough out of That's you, pal. That silk don't you, outfit you got. Don't it's you have a TV set to get sweet. through or something? Well, thank you for the compliment, but the producers have spoken. Get him out of here. <laughs> get him out. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. And we are fired up. For a big hour of Fox Across America, an embarrassment of radio riches, Jim Jordan is going to be here. He is the head of the House Judiciary Committee. He is investigating Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg to get to the bottom of what looks an awful lot like a political persecution. Plus, Tim Scott, a man who could be the next president of the United States. Wrong. Well, the South Carolina senator, the hot rumor in Washington, is that he is on the verge of launching a bid for the White House any second now. He's raised a lot of money. And Tim Scott is going to stop by and avoid all of our questions. (laughs) 888-788-9910. The phone number. I will not avoid your questions. We play the teams on the schedule on this show. And uh, we are very open about the fact that we don't need you to agree with us. It is a talk show. It is not political activism. Activist. Just listen to the word. Sounds exhausting. I don't have the energy. You know what I'm saying? No, stop it. I'm a talk show host. Believe what you want. Agree, disagree. doesn't matter. Not my job. But we're going to have a talk. I'm going to share my opinion. 
And we're going to delve right into the 2024 race because it is at top of mind as we begin this hour. One, we've got a guy who's already running who could be days away, minutes away, hours away from being indicted by an overzealous prosecutor here in New York City. And the other is, of course, Tim Scott, who's going to be closing the show today. Um, The polls right now, it's really interesting. But the polls are out right now, and the big story in the polls is that Trump is surging up. DeSantis is lowered a little bit. But the point I would make to everybody listening is the polls don't matter this far out from the actual election. And I'm talking about them for the sole purpose of telling you there's really no point in actually talking about them. What the hell did you just say? I know, that did sound complicated. But if you were to look out a year and a half nearly two full years from the 2016 election, they would have told you Jeb Bush was going to be the next president (laughs) of the United States. Didn't quite work out. If you were to look at the polls in 2008, they would have told you Hillary Rodham Clinton was going to be the first president of the United States. And that didn't quite happen. Back up, you creep. Okay, whatever. Just telling you the facts. Don't shoot the messenger. Okay, this is always the case. It's overnight as a lifetime in politics. We're a long way from home on the polls. But there's a funny transactional nature about politics that always just strikes me as silly. Now, you know the polls about Trump have always been wrong. Why? Because the polls aren't reported to report opinion. They're reported to shape opinion. Tell them like it is. So they were always telling you Trump was going to get blown out in every one of these states. They were never wrong in his favor. They were always wrong against him. They were trying to make it look like he had no shot as a means of discouraging turnout. Oh, this guy's going to lose by 30 in Milwaukee. He's down 22 points. There was an NBC poll that had him down 22 points in Milwaukee, okay, in Wisconsin. He wound up losing Wisconsin by less than a hundredth of a point. You understand that poll was wrong by about 21 and a half points. So these polls don't come out to report opinion. They come out to shape it. They report, they, they shape a narrative. Right now, the media wants you to believe Trump is trending way up. Everybody's sick of DeSantis. Nobody else should even bother running. Why? Because the media needs Trump. They want Trump. They want him to run and be the nominee. One, they think they can beat him because so many of his negatives are already baked into the cake. But two, and this is the kicker, he is really really good for ratings. I agree with that. That's the issue. Okay. They want Trump out there. They think they can beat him. They think it drives their bottom line. They think the amount of people in this country who are already familiar with him makes their job a lot easier. You get somebody like Ron DeSantis. Yeah, the media has been working overtime to discredit him. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre with a straight face still saying with a straight face that Ron DeSantis passed a don't say gay bill in Florida. She says he's declaring war. On transgender children is what he's doing. And understand, this isn't within five miles of the truth. Clip 33. It's wrong. It's completely, utterly uh, wrong. And uh, and we've been very crystal clear about that when it comes to the don't say gay bill uh, and other, other actions that th- this governor has taken in the state of Florida. But make no mistake, this is a part of a disturbing and dangerous uh, uh, trend that we're seeing across the country of legislations that are anti-LGBTQI+, anti-trans, uh, anti-the uh, community in a way that we have not seen it in some time. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. Just to be clear, okay, she's just lying her ass off. Okay, the Florida bill 
does not say the word gay. It doesn't criminalize being gay. It doesn't criminalize saying gay. It doesn't criminalize transgender people. It doesn't criminalize LGBTQIA plus people. What it does specifically, the bill is called Parental Rights and Education, and what it does is it stops schools from teaching sex ed to kids between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. Why? Because we all know deep down anyone who wants to teach sex ed to kindergarten kids shouldn't be allowed around kindergarten kids. Bingo, man, bingo! That's the whole point. We know this is disgusting. We know it's not right. But that's where they are in their politics. They're trying so desperately to characterize all the Republicans as evil. Trump is literally Hitler. He's a white supremacist. I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth, but that's what they run with. And because they've gotten a significant amount of the population to buy into that garbage, they like the idea of running against Trump because most of the heavy lifting's already been done. DeSantis, they're getting there. Now, if Tim Squat- Scott happens to run as a Republican, the media is looking out like, This could be a problem. Okay, because don't get me wrong. They're going to call him a white supremacist. They're going to say he's a racist and everything in between, but it's going to be a much tougher sell. That's where they're really scared of Tim Scott. That's where I think he offers the Republican Party the most upward mobility. You know, I'm not telling you he's going to be the nominee. I'm not telling you you can vote for him. I'm just telling you he makes life on the disingenuous media the hardest. I'm telling you he makes life on the Democrats the hardest because in an era where they've staked everything to identity, they now have to get out there and trash this black American who happens to be a historic figure in every sense, the best sense of the world. Tim Scott's entire success and relevance is solely attributable, as he says, to the evolution of the Southern heart. He grew up in a version of the South that was stereotypically a lot like the South that the Democrats want you to believe we're living in today. Now, the truth is minorities, specifically black Americans, more of them are migrating to southern states in the southeast region of this country than anywhere else in America. So if the South is really so bad, if the South is Jim Crow on steroids, as Joe Biden said, then why are all the black people moving there? I think he's got a point. Because they're moving there more than anywhere else in America. Why? Because the South today is not the South 50 years ago. It's not the South 100 years ago when it was run by Democrats. And Tim Scott's progress refutes that whole narrative. So the Democrats are horrified by the idea of him running, just absolutely objectly terrified because he doesn't have the negatives that Trump has. They don't have a two-year head start blaming him for stuff like they did with DeSantis. Don't ever forget, they nicknamed Ron DeSantis Death Santis because he didn't ma- mandate the vaccine. Death Santis because he reopened his state. It was trending on Twitter every night. And a lot of people buy into that garbage. They don't really need facts to back it up. They just need somebody to point their finger at because the left deals very heavily in self-righteousness. Okay, we're morally superior than to death Santos and everyone who would support him. So when Tim Scott comes down his own escalator and is like, yeah, I'm running too. And the Democrat machine goes into, uh, you know, they plug it in, turn it on and like, all right, how is he racism? How is it racist? What are we going to do here? What's going on? Okay, as they did. The last time Tim Scott had the national stage, he gave the rebuttal to Joe Biden's State of the Union address. And Twitter allowed the term Uncle Tim to trend for 12 hours because the Democrats said he was a sellout to his race for trying to live in an America where we implement meritocracy and we start to emphasize victorhood over victimhood. That's why the Democrats hate Tim Scott, because the Democrats 
are weaponizing victimhood in a way to encourage government dependency. That's their whole M.O. now. You can't raise your kids. Society's racist. You know, you can't pay for school. Society's racist. You're going to get killed by climate change because society's racist. You know that, right? Can't have cops. They're all racist. Everything's racist. So you got to depend on us. You got to vote for us. That's what they want you to believe. Okay, but the problem is there are such a massive amount of minority conservatives in this country. They've completely alienated Latinos. Biden's lost them 40 points amongst Latinos. And the black voters are flying out of town, too, because at the end of the day, the Democrats don't have a deliverable. Okay, they call the other side names, but they themselves haven't done anything to improve the quality of life for the minorities they purport to care about. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. The show that's not afraid to hit the road. The stars at night are big and bright. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. I am, of course, in New York City. We're heading back out on the road in April. The Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon, Friday night, April the 7th. It is sold out. I cannot get you a ticket. But if you want to come to the bar to meet and greet, say hello, you're certainly welcome to. The following night at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. That is Saturday night, April the 8th. It is on the verge of selling out. It's going to sell out uh, if you're in the area and you want to come. You're thinking about coming. Get your ticket right now. Come hang out with your radio buddy. Then I'll be back on the East Coast at Bananas Comedy Club in East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's Friday night, April the 21st. Saturday uh, night, April the 22nd. You are welcome to come hang with the Fox Across America crew. And after that, I'm going on tour with Kennedy. It's the Laughs and Liberty Tour that will take us through Reading, Pennsylvania, Clearwater, Florida, Davenport, Iowa, Mesa, Arizona, Lexington, Kentucky, Holland, Michigan, St. Mary's, Ohio. Hey, girl. Davenport has a lot happening, okay? But if you can't wait that long to see me, you can watch me tonight. I will be on the Sean Hannity show at 9 o'clock. And when I got the booking, I was, I was excited. I'm like, wow, I'm on Hannity. That's a big deal. But then I saw who they had on Hannity last night. Kind of took the shine off the diamond a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Joining us now to discuss a man who would know nothing about Last night's Hannity guest list, superstar representative from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. Jim Jordan is here. Hey, man. Jimmy, how are you doing? Did I just hear in that list of cities, St. Mary's, Ohio, part yeah. of the 4th Congressional District in our great yes. state? Is that right? Yes, you it's did. Official. You yes. were there? Oh, we have. Listen, everything has been everything has been ironed out. Fox has approved it. The white smoke is coming out of the chimney here at Fox News. <laughs> we, we have confirmed the gig. Uh, yes, they are no longer shaking me down. It, all it took were three bricks through my kitchen window, and I finally agreed there to their terms. I, I will find the golf course closest to the home of the Rough Riders, St. Mary's, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, But we will yeah. get the tea time lined up, mm-hmm. and we will see. Well, Enough of the talk. Time b- to play. Based what I've seen out of you and Russell, I'm assuming this golf course will have a windmill and a clown's <laughs> mouth we can hit the ball into. <laughs> <laughs> bounce off the bumper around, around the hobby <laughs> there horse, gonna be? the whole championship yeah. of the world. Yeah, uh, hitting the ball into a pipe and it's coming out down a hill 20 <laughs> yards away. I'm excited.
excited. I think it's going to be a good match. I think it's the right thing to do. Five does the loop de loop. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Exactly. All right, if that's what you want, we'll have to do that. But I was actually thinking the real It's going to happen. I'm down. I'm down. Um, Listen, I saw you on Hannity last night. I was laughing uh, because you were not in New York, and I do not blame you for that. New York is such a mess right now. I, I say this all the time. Do you know when you're watching Batman in the beginning? And they make the case for why we need Batman. They're showing you, like, all these crimes and all this bad stuff. Well, that's New York right now. It looks like the beginning of the Batman film, except when we flash the bat signal, he can't come because he's not vaccinated. You dig? (laughs) So it's like, it's the worst Batman ever. Yeah. I thought you were going to say instead of Batman, you get Alvin Bragg. I thought that's what we get. Well, we got, well, yes, what we actually got is we got Bat them. We got the woke Batman, Alvin Bragg, uh, who's letting all the criminals out of jail. And it's a disaster. And, you know, I know you're well versed in this. They've written down the felonies 52% of the time, the misdemeanors. That's what I heard. But what you're investigating is the fact that they're trying to take one particular misdemeanor and upgrade it to a felony. Yeah, for, for the guy who's leading in the polls for president of the United States when the federal government wouldn't take the case, the federal district of New York wouldn't take the case, the previous DA, Mr. Vance, wouldn't take the case. And most importantly, this DA wasn't going to take the case until his two assistants left, threw a fit, wrote a book, got the left all fired up, and President Trump announced he's running, and suddenly there's a change of heart. And Mr. Bragg is going to bring the case, if you can believe what the mainstream press has been saying for the last several days. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's why we wrote in the letter. We want to we don't know what the heck is going on here because no one should be bringing this kind of case. Well, that's the issue we have is like when you really look at this, I mean, as a New Yorker, it's personal for us because we we have watched in New York such an indifference to like a real violent crime wave specifically towards women, you know, and it's really, you know, it drives us crazy. And, you know, there's that. But then there's just the other reality that it's a 246 year old country, same age as Joe Biden. But stick with me. It's a 200. I'm kidding. But it's a 246 year old country. We've never done this before. And the idea that we're now going to go do it over what would be a parking ticket if it was even a real uh, offense? But in this case, we know it's not because Michael Cohen's own attorney flat out stated in 2018 Trump wasn't a part of this. So are yeah, they? Uh, go ahead. No, no, great point. When Mr. Costello testifies, Michael Cohen is their star witness. Michael Cohen lied when he came in front of the House Oversight Committee in 2019. When he comes in front of us. He lied six times under oath in front of the committee. That's why we did a referral. Yep. And, and, and that's, their, that's their witness. That's their guy they're making this case on. So, yeah, and that coupled with when is it ever going to end? It started with Russia. Then it was a phone call with Zelensky they came after him from. Then it was his, or for, then it was his taxes. Then we got to get his tax returns. Then it was all his business records. Then it was his kids' business records. Now it's this. I mean – It's never ending in the country, I think, is so tired of it all. Yeah, they are. And I think we're talking to Jim Jordan from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, chair of the House Judiciary. And I think that's the point we're trying to appeal to people here is they've been lied to about the impending Trump prosecutions for seven years. You know, and you know, the funniest one is, you know, so after Russia came and went in Ukraine and everything else, we were told his taxes were going to lock him up and throw away the key. And if you remember, they actually got his taxes. And after all of that, they never even wound up releasing them because they didn't make him look bad. And that's and that's who I'm trying to appeal to here is like, you don't even have to love Trump. You just have to recognize the the other people are the crazy party here, you know, and that's the bigger issue we have. Um, Yeah. And and the like, when are we just going to have an election where, you know, 
the government can stand, just let the people decide. So in 2016, it was the Russia stuff. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, it was the laptop that they misled us all about. In 2022, they raided the president's home 91 days before an election. And now heading into the 2024 presidential race, it's the classified documents issue. And of course, it's this Alvin Bragg prosecution, potential prosecution for something that's ridiculous. Yep. Well, one caveat I would throw our listeners really quick because I know we got to run. We were about a minute from our commercial break. As I'm starting to believe James Comer is getting close on the Bidens because he got a nicer haircut and he knows he's got some big media coming up. Can you confirm that Comer is stepping up his wardrobe game because he knows he's got some big TV yeah, coming? Cameron Comer is a good man, and he's uh, doing, I think, a great job for uh, for the country and for the folks there in Kentucky. So, uh, All right. But uh, you're going to well, get to the bottom of it. Well Thanks played. For all you do, I'll, brother. I'll see you on the court. Take care. There he goes, Jim Jordan. Chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Guy needed to get back to work. We've got to go to a commercial break. But if you notice, my man Comer comes on this show quite a bit. He's starting to look real sharp on television. You know what that means? That means things are starting to get serious. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. They did not bargain on this. They didn't. This wasn't the plan. We're going to get into some of this with Tim Scott. We're going to get into a whole host of issues. With a man who very well could be running for president a day from now, a week from now. Get your game face on. Tim Scott joins us next. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to talk to this next guest. He is a superstar senator from the great state of South Carolina. And I'm pretty sure somebody got him a Fitbit for Christmas because this guy has been getting the steps in. Senator Tim Scott returns to the show. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. Are you you breaking 10,000 steps a day these days? I see on my TV a lot. I I am. am, I'm hustling. I'm hustling. Yeah, well, I've been encouraged to do the same, but I am not keeping your pace, much to the chagrin of the Fox wardrobe department. You know, well, that's OK. You deserve more clothes, not not fewer options. <laughs> I, I agree. I'm with you. But uh, let me just jump right in and get the big question out of the way. I know it's on everybody's mind. What do you think of the Cowboys cutting Zeke Elliott? You know, that was a shocker. Without any question. Listen, Zeke has been struggling for a couple of years with injuries, so I wasn't very surprised. But it was a little surprising in that he's been a part of the franchise for so long. Yeah, but I will say. The backup number twenty has done very well this past season. I think he needs more time, mm-hmm. uh, more time on the field. Yep. Frankly, I think this will help him rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. We, we also need Dak to play, I'll as imagine. if every game was a playoff game. Because <laughs> when we get to the playoffs, we, 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 it looks like scrimmage. It's it's hard to watch, but I you know why I brought up Zeke hey, specifically. The reason I brought him up is because it was obviously it was a salary cap consideration that is the reason he's no longer with the team. And I wanted to ask you this: given the problems we have with spending and. Washington right now. Wouldn't it be nice if government had a salary cap? Yes, we should have a salary cap that ends at about five bucks an hour based on the <laughs> current level of work, especially at the Fed, Treasury, and the FDIC with bank failures. So that would be a good place to start. And if we can draft the whole new uh, team from the private sector, I would lift the salary caps for people who've actually had private sector experience. Unfortunately, <laughs> we have a lot of academics 
and yeah. lifelong bureaucrats. Yes. What well, we have in Washington, you know what it reminds me of? It, 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 to some extent, it reminds me of your man, Jerry Jones. Uh, and this was my Yankees owner, George Steinbrenner, did the same thing. We have guys that like to throw money at problems, and often it just makes the problem bigger. Like, sure. I, th- yeah. I think, yeah, I think you would argue with inflation. I won't make you blame Jerry because it's your owner. We'll call this a Steinbrenner move. But we're Steinbrennering inflation, are we not? One thousand percent. Think about it this way, Jimmy. Every federal employee saving save Congress is receiving a five point three percent increase in pay. Mm-hmm. There aren't a handful of Americans who are getting a five percent increase in pay this year. Mm-hmm. It is stunning to see the reckless spending of this administration after the concentration of the wealth of this country comes to Washington because he's literally taking it out of the pockets of everyday Americans through tax and spending policies mm-hmm. that are devastating single moms like the one that raised me. I can't imagine a worse predicament for a senior citizen who's on a fixed income than watching gas go up 40 percent, food up 20 percent, electricity up 20 percent. Yeah, but the question the, becomes the question of rationing. Yeah, that's it's psychotic. But you know what? The nice thing is the banks are doing well. <laughs> well, well. Under the Biden economy, we have seen the second largest bank failure because of the economy, the regulators, and the bank management. I can't think of a worse predicament to be in to say rates are going to go down. When you have nine consecutive increases in the interest rates, and that's exactly what the bank executives were banking on, lower rates. Yeah. I don't think so. No, it's it's hard to watch. We're talking to South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Sometimes I look at the the at Washington right now as it's presently constituted, and I feel like I'm watching a team tank because they think they're going to get a number one draft pick. You know, when there's like five weeks to go in the season, they've only won two games, and they're like, well, we might as well lose the last five to save yeah. our draft position. Uh, but you don't get the tank for draft picks in Washington. Uh, but there, no. there is a lot of talk, though, about who these potential replacements could be. And the thing I wanted to throw at you, man, because I know, you know, you're weighing a lot of different factors and you're all over the news when it comes to, the, you know, whether or not you're going to run in 2024, is do you think on some level, though, given the emphasis on identity politics in the Democratic Party, do you think you're actually, Senator Tim Scott, uniquely qualified to maybe lead the march away from identity politics, given that your success story in this country is concrete proof that we're a different America now than the one they're trying to sell us? Yeah, there's no doubt that my identity and my journey disproves their lies without any question. I will say this, though. The mission is always more important than the position. I am focusing on making sure that the American people have reasons to believe in the future of this country because the common sense conservative foundation on which it was built has endured 250 plus years. It can do another 250 years if if we do not buy into the radical left approach to socialism. One of the things that we need to remember as conservatives is that the road to socialism runs right through a divided Republican Party. So when there's a food fight, red-on-red violence, Mm -hmm. it only encourages the left to do more bad things looking for a utopian that has never existed on God's green earth. Was that a fancy way of you telling somebody to lay off the nicknames? (laughs) No. I will simply (laughs) say this without any question. According to Muhammad Ali, who said, you know, he floats like a butterfly. He stings like a bee. There are no flies of Muhammad Ali. It's not about nicknames. It's about performance. And right now, what we need to do is focus on bringing the party together 
and a united front because the actual problem, mm-hmm. President Biden. Yeah. It's 13 and a half percent inflation. Yeah. The actual problem is President Biden. It's a porous border. It is unsafe. It is insecure. And it is wide open, leading to 70,000 American deaths because of fentanyl. It's four and a half million illegal crossings preventable mm-hmm. with a closed border. We need a physical impediment to crossing our southern border. It's President Biden's blueprint to ruin America by making sure that our kids today are either locked into failing schools or locked out of union fights in Los Angeles where the kids can't go to school at all. Uh, That's why I have legislation, but I'm back in a different school that's actually open. Well, that's a great point that you make. We're talking to South Carolina Senator Chin Scott. There was a Georgia representative who said two days ago, parents are essentially too dumb to weigh in on their kids' education. Like, in, I, first of all, I'm shocked to ever hear an elected official talking down to voters in any capacity. But isn't that such an affront to how you were raised and what you come from and what you've amounted to? Well, Jimmy, I can't think of more offensive words that my mother, just because she's a single mother with a high school diploma, wasn't capable of making good decisions. When people with a PhD in the local school district could not figure out how to create a quality school in every zip code in Charleston County. It is fascinating, which means frustrating to me, that the poor zip codes in this country run in education by people who are supposedly really smart, Mm -hmm. PhDs, masters, college degrees, and yet they fail the most vulnerable kids in America, and they're rewarded with promotions and more money. It is completely illogical. I'll bet my future and the future of kids today on single mamas making a better choice than people with a PhD in their schools. And you want to know why you're right about that? I can say I could speak to this as a former cab driver who, you know, you might not know the Senator Scott, but yellow cab drivers aren't exactly balling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't on MTV Cribs. Uh, there was never they never even reached out. This, this might shock you. It. You know, people talk about not having money in the bank. I lived most of my adult life without a bank. Okay, I had like a Nike shoebox. People are like, what do you go to Bank of America? I'm like, no, I have the Bank of Reebok. But stick with me. When you are, yeah, but when you're in that primal position, like the one that you were raised in with a single mother who's on the lower end of the economic scale, you actually learn a common sense and an efficiency. Okay, that makes you a more practical, common sense decision maker than the people who are out of touch with the struggle. So can't you actually make a case that it's almost like their prosperity works against them when it comes to relating to the actual people that are engaged in the struggle? That is 100 percent true. One of the things I learned from my grandfather who had a third grade education is don't buy what you can't afford. Don't spend what you do not have. It's Mm -hmm. a simple concept in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 7, that the borrower is slave to the lender. If you don't want to be an indentured servant, mm-hmm. don't borrow money you can't pay back. Why the federal government has $31 trillion of debt with some of the most intelligent people in all of the world, mm-hmm. they lack common sense. We should be ashamed of the prospects of the future if we allow President Biden to have another full term. Yeah. It's, it's incredible to think that the greatest nation on God's green earth can't figure out how to balance a budget. Oh, by the way, if you don't have a balanced budget amendment, uh-huh. you simply can't do it. And as a guy who was raised by a single mother with a grandfather who had a third grade education, I thank God Almighty that they taught me the dignity of work. That they said, if you want to be motivated, first perspire, 
then be inspired, and then go do something with it. Don't expect anybody to bring it to you. Bring it to them. That's the kind of attitude that has made America the most exceptional country on earth. It's not our government. It's our people. No, it's spot on. I I say this all the time. It drives me crazy that they're not teaching more self-reliance, that they're denying people, you know, personal responsibility because the pride of ownership and your success, it really is like the most empowering thing in the world. But the one thing I got to tell you, man, okay, for all the conversations me and you have had over the years, and you know how much I love your story, but the more I listen to you, the more I listen to you talk, the more I realize your mom should be running in 2024. (laughs) You know, I would support Francis Scott for president. 2024, 2028, 2032. I would eliminate, frankly, term limits for my mom to continue to run the country. <laughs> no, I would, too. My house. <laughs> I would, so, too. Danny, you gotta, uh-huh. You'd have to get used to the switch, though, the southern apparatus of encouragement. There are some <laughs> things that you don't do these days. <laughs> But it's better than being incarcerated, right? No, there's, there's no question. I, I grew up okay. We didn't have a switch. We had a belt or a spoon. But, yes, we all behaved well. I'm telling the you. The same concept, um, right? There's, yes. there, there's a payoff. Here's the last thing I'll say mm-hmm. on this topic. Mm-hmm. You can pay me now or you can pay me later. If you pay me later, the price is greater. No, this works in finance. It works in raising kids. It works on hard work and becoming an entrepreneur. It works in home ownership. Okay. If you delay what can be done today – the price will be higher. Spot on. Just listen. Do me a favor. I know we got to run. Pass along the message. If she runs, I will openly endorse her on the air tomorrow. That's my commitment. I love it. I'll <laughs> let her know immediately. Good stuff, man. We'll talk soon. I appreciate your time. God bless you, brother. You're Bye-bye. the best. There he goes. The great Tim Scott from South Carolina. I love talking to him, but the more you listen to like his mom, his mom's the hero here. Let's hold on a second. Let's have a moment. Tim Scott. Okay, and his mom were at one point, you realize this guy could be could legitimately be your next president, be your vice president, could be a two-term president, could be anything, but he's already a historic figure by any account. Tim Scott is the first black American to serve in both houses of Congress. It never happened in this country until Tim Scott did it. Now, if you understand, when Tim Scott was born, he was born into an economic situation in which the Democrats would aggressively encourage abortion. A single mom with a high school diploma who was making no money, the Democrats don't want the Tim Scotts of the world to even be born. That was the exchange he had with Jennifer Granholm when they were talking on the Hill, and she was talking about how abortion is good for the labor force participation rate of young black women. And Tim Scott said as, you know, one of those babies that would have been aborted in the name of labor force participation, I'd just like to say I'm glad my mother went through with the pregnancy. Tim Scott's story is everything the Democrats are trying to deny minority voters, okay? And it's psychotic to me because Barack Obama ran for president twice on Yes, We Can. So 10 years ago, they they were saying, yes, we can. We can do things in this country. And now the Democratic M.O. has become, no, you can't. Like if Barack Obama showed up to the Democratic Party now as a new candidate, it was like, I've got this slogan. It's called, yes, we can. The modern Democrats would be like, whoa, who's this half white guy? Check your privilege, half white. Yes, we can. Easy for you to say, half white guy. You went to Harvard. Sure, yes, you can. But what about the rest of us? And this is the reality I come back to, okay? I did not grow up politically active. I just grew up, I was taught to love the country. I grew up on Long Island. 
It was the 80s. Okay, Reagan was the president. We were thrilled. There was a lot of pride. I, of course, grew up in Levittown, which was the biggest, the biggest post-World War II settlement for American GIs returning home from war. So I grew up around veterans. I was taught to love the country. I never fully understood. I was naive to the fact that there were people out there who didn't love the country because I just thought we were all in on the joke. And because I was raised in a positive environment with a positive attitude, you know, the old adage, positive energy attracts positive outcomes. You have a good attitude, you probably have a good time. You probably have some good luck. You have a bad attitude, you probably have a bad time. Probably have some bad luck. Walk through a casino. The blackjack table that's cheering and drinking and laughing and telling jokes while they suffer the, while they shuffle the cards, they're making money. The blackjack table that's miserable, talking to their shoes, cursing out the dealer, not making money. Positive energy attracts positive outcomes. Okay, but I grew up and only became politically active because as a comic surrounded by liberals, I was watching the identity politics era take shape. I was watching everybody yell and scream about racism and oppression and how everybody was held back in America. And all the way back in 2015, I was on the road. I know nobody likes a show off, but I was playing Flint, Michigan. And uh, I was in Flint, and we had some time to kill, and we drove all the way back to Motown and went to Hitsville, USA. We went to the Motown Museum. And you recognize what Barry Gordy was able to do in the late 50s, okay, which was build out a billion-dollar entity known as Motown based on their ability to write songs and choreograph dance routines and put on shiny jackets and just bust their asses and out-hustle their competition to deliver just a comprehensively better product. You could do that as a black man. You could do that as an Asian man, a Hispanic man, a Muslim man. You could do that as anybody in the world in America 75 years ago, 75 years ago. We already had that upward mobility that meant in this capitalist society, if you did the work and you delivered the goods, you could be anything you wanted to be. Okay, we were there at least 75 years ago. The God's honest truth is we were there longer ago than that. Okay, there were plenty of minorities getting rich. Yes, we still needed a civil rights era. Yes, we still needed the Dixiecrats to stand down. But the point is Tim Scott is very much a ambassador to the America we are and the America we have been for the last 50 years. What the Democrats are running on is this oppressive narrative of the America we used to be. The whole Democratic MO is to give America in 2023 the bill for what it did in 1823. And Tim Scott is proof that it's all a scam. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The show that leaves you without hope or change. I'm telling you, man, this stuff will poison your mind. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. What a day. If you missed any of today's show, if you missed Jim Jordan, you can get the podcast version of this show. You can always listen to the interviews and watch my TV hits at foxacrossamerica.com. We also post them on the Fox Across America Facebook page. That's where you can message me directly. Uh, tonight, the Fail-A-Vision, I will be on Kennedy at 7 o'clock. And uh, I returned to my role as head writer for Kennedy tonight. Her writer is out, so I subbed in, and uh, I got to write the topical storm for the first time in a whole bunch of years. So that's exciting, and I'll be on the show doing a one-on-one hit with Kennedy. And then at 9 o'clock, I will be on with the great Sean Hannity uh, live in studio. We've got a studio audience. It's a rowdy one. I'm on Hannity tonight, Hannity tomorrow. 
uh, this weekend. You'll see me on Fox and Friends and the Lawrence Jones Show. Monday night, I will make my triumphant return to the Greg Gutfeld Show. Uh, but between now and then, uh, I will be reachable to you on the Twitter and the Facebook Probably the bar when this one's over. It's been a long day. Uh, Pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.